Wisdom Podcast. My name is Holly Weaver, and I'm the owner and operator of Rosebud Wellness, where I practice women's holistic health, utilizing acupuncture, Chinese herbalism, yoni steaming, and Arvigo abdominal massage. And I'm also a new mama. This podcast will be part information on women's holistic health practices that I use in my practice, and part conversations with women who are mothers or hope to be mothers on their journey through menstruation, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and motherhood. Please enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by the Rosebud Wellness Shop. You can find us over at rosebudwellness.com shop. On the shop, you'll find six different Yoni Steam herb blends for a variety of different conditions. You can read specifically about all of the ingredients that are in the herbal blends, what you would use them for, and some specifics about the days of your cycle that you would use the herbs. There's also a video for an at-home steaming guide so that you can feel confident that you know what you're doing before you embark on this journey. But if you also don't feel so comfortable just starting on your own, you can also sign up for a consult with me, which is also available at the shop. So go ahead and check out rosebudwellness.com shop. Hello, everybody. I am very excited to bring this episode to you today. I am bringing a conversation with Rena Friedman Watts, and she is actually the first interview that I've done with someone that I don't know personally. I joined this awesome podcasting group um, where we look for um, guests to have on our podcast or people um, seek out podcasts to make an appearance on. And I've had a really great response. So I have some other interviews scheduled with other people that I've met in the group. Um, And I'm really excited to have connected with Rena in particular. She is a mama to four children and had four um, unmedicated, I'm always trying to think of the right way to say natural, unmedicated, unmedicated um, births with her first three children. And then with her last pregnancy, she ended up requiring a C-section delivery. So I was really interested to hear about how the recovery for those two um, types of birth differed for her. And she had a lot to share about that. We get into talking about motherhood um, and her podcast as well, which is called Better Call Daddy. I'll link that in the show notes. I highly recommend listening. I've been obsessively listening to it since I um, connected with her. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Rena. All right. So welcome back, everybody. I am here today with Rena Friedman Watts and really excited to have her here today. Thank you. I'm really excited too. Yeah. So she is a mama to four children and which is amazing. Just having one young daughter myself, I'm amazed how people have multiple children. (laughs) So really excited to chat with you today. Um, so to start out, if we can talk about your period history, if there's anything to share about that, like if you had a lot of pain or irregularities, any uh, sort of like syndromes or anything like that, if you had a birth control history or if it was pretty straightforward and not too much trouble for you. 
So I will say, I remember kind of, you know, when I first got it, one, I don't remember having the conversation with my mom about it at all. And I had horrible cramps, like so bad where I begged to stay home from school. I may have even like called my mom to come get me from school a couple of times Mm. um, where I remember actually like laying on the floor with like my knees to my chest and like definitely experiencing some pretty severe cramps and pain. Um, You know, I never went to the doctor about it. I feel like people didn't really talk about it, but yeah, there was a period of time where my menstruation cycle was not fun. And even now, like, you know, these commercials where there's like women who work out and use a tampon, that was never me. Like, is that even possible for anyone? Um, Yeah, like I send my husband to the store, I'm like, grab the boats, you know what I mean? Like, I guess that's healthy, Um, you know, because I am now in my, 40s and still have a full cycle um so yeah is there anything that's ever helped with the pain you know you try mitol and you try pain reliever and I think that did help it subside some but yeah just day one and two like stay away right (laughs) yeah um and then did they ever talk to you about going on birth control at all Never. That's amazing because a lot of times they're like, oh, you have irregular periods or you have painful periods or you have acne or really anything. They're just like, here's the birth control pill. So that's great that you dodged that, that bullet. (laughs) You know, what's so crazy about birth control. I did not get on birth control until right before I was going to get married and I got on it so that I could, you know, not be on my period for my wedding night. And I did not react well to it. Like, I feel like, yeah, I don't even remember which one they gave me, but it was supposed to be like the low hormone one or whatever. But I feel like it made me super depressed, like depression that I had never experienced before. And, you know, the main reason I didn't want to get on it is because you hear people getting on it and you gain weight from it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this one was supposed to not make you do that, but what it did cause was like me not wanting to get out of bed depression, you know? So I was like, Oh heck no. Like I got off of that within like a couple of months. I was like, this is terrible. Um, gotta find another option. Yeah. That's a really common, um, symptom actually. And not something that I experienced personally. So it's, it's always interesting for me to hear, um, from women, what their experience was like, so you, you said you found a different option? Yeah, I was like, oh, and I tried like um, an IUD like later on that too. Like people swore to me, they're like, this is the best thing. You know, um, I think it was the one too that was like supposed to release a hormone or whatever. Um, I, f- I forgot the name of that. Morena thing. maybe? Yes, that was horrible for me horrible. Did it cause emotional symptoms too? Caused emotional symptoms. And I never stopped spotting. Like Mm -hmm. literally I bled for like six weeks and it never felt comfortable. I feel like I felt it in there the entire time. Yeah. 
And I was not happy because you pay out of pocket for these things. You know, I was like, this is the worst thing. I think I even wrote the company and was like, I'm in your small percentage of people that this was terrible for. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people have trouble with, with IUDs too. Um, and then, yeah, it's like, it's very individual. What works for one woman really well doesn't work for the next woman. But IUDs, that's that's super common for it to either cause a lot of pain or really yeah. heavy bleeding or just like constant spotting. Um, unfortunately, yeah, there no aren't fun. Really, yeah, there aren't really that many great birth control options. Um, but so then you ended up trying to get pregnant and just kind of didn't need birth control anymore. Or did you ever find a good option for you? <laughs> Never really found a good option. Yeah, it's tough, right? Um, and I would say too, something that's probably maybe unique to me, but none of my pregnancies have been planned. I mean, you know, you decide that you want to have children, but you're not like, okay, you know, let's do it on this night. I mean, some people really like they use the ovulation kits and, you know, I probably know like the night it happened with my, you know, first couple of kids, you know? <laughs> Were, so you weren't tracking anything, but are you somebody that's like kind of aware when you're approaching yes. ovulation? Yes, How do you definitely. know that for yourself? Um, well, I'm a religious Jew. So um, we actually like have rules around that where, yeah, so you can be together two weeks out of the month and then you're not together two weeks out of the month. So the month that you bleed, you're not together. And then the week after, and you actually like do a check to make sure that like there's no blood and then you wait seven days and then you jump in a mikvah, which is like um, a spiritual dunk of in water. And then you guys can be together. Wow. That's so interesting. I've heard and, of the mikvah yeah. before, but I, I never heard about it in that context before. What else is crazy too is um, like during that two weeks where you guys are apart, there's no touching. I mean, there's not supposed to be touching. So you like, like you can't kiss or hug or anything. Exactly. Interesting. Yes. So that really like builds up the anticipation and like makes you guys want to be together more. I recommend trying this. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. I've never, I've never heard of that before. So um, then it sounds like you were able to conceive pretty easily. Um, yes. And um, then pretty much as soon as we wanted to have one, I mean, I did not have any struggles in that department. Although I will say after my first kid, I had a miscarriage and after my third, no, after my, um, yeah, after my third, I had another miscarriage mm. and the first time I had no idea what was happening. Like I had some horrible like back pain and yeah, I started spotting and then literally like it felt, it felt like I was having contractions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like miscarriages are like a little mini birth kind of. How far yeah. along were you? I was early on with both, but yeah. the first time it came out mm -hmm. and the second time, the, both times though, it was so hard about it. The hardest part was like, I had already heard the heartbeat oh. and I had already seen it you yeah, know, it's heartbreaking. So that was really hard. And like the first time it happened at my parents' house and I had like, I think an 18 month old. Yeah. So I had never really sent him to preschool yet. And like, we were visiting my parents and, you know, I'm like, I need to go get in the shower. I'm having horrible back pain. And it was just, 
awkward all around and emotional and I didn't know what was happening to me and then like I went to the hospital my mom was like watching my toddler and I was like alone bleeding not knowing what was happening I like brought a plastic bag with what was in the drain mm. to the doctor to like find out you know was there any hope or what was happening and mm. it was so emotional and awful yeah Ugh. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. What would you say helped you through that time the most? Yeah, that's a great question. So my best friend was actually a doctor in the area Mm -hmm. and I called her and um, we were pregnant with our first ones at the same time. And she was like, well, let me come and sit with you at the emergency room. And since she was a doctor and had worked in the ER, like she just was like so calming. She was the perfect person to be there through that. Yeah. 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 I mean, miscarriage is one of the things I'm also kind of interested to raise awareness about because it's very, very common. And so, I mean, once you start sharing about a miscarriage story, people will kind of come out of the woodwork like, oh, you know, like I had one too. And um, yeah, I think it's important for women to know that they can share about it and that they'll like support will be there like your friend. Yeah. Oh man. It's crazy how many people came out of the woodwork and people had so many of them. Like, I feel like two isn't even that many. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then my second one, it was again, awful because like I was at the doctor by myself, my husband was working, you know, the baby was still in there, but had no heartbeat. And like, you're in a gynecologist's office. There's other happy pregnant women like sitting next to you. And you're like, there should be two different waiting rooms. Like one for who it doesn't work out for. And one who is like happy and everything's going well, because like walking out and getting that kind of news and like having to walk by like everyone who's like chipper and the husband's supporting, you know, the pregnant woman. Oh man, that is such a doozy of emotion right there. I mean, every time I would go for an ultrasound or any of my midwife appointments while I was pregnant, I, that was my greatest fear was like, there's no heartbeat. I just, I mean, anytime she was okay, it was just like, thank God, (laughs) you know, I think that because I, I work in women's health and I'm surrounded by this sort of, um, potential for loss and it's, yeah, kind of the worst case scenario, you know, to get that kind of news. You know, I, I feel bad for the nurses who have to deliver that. It definitely takes special training, but I will say like one of the people who drew my blood, like kind of stumbled in what she said. And she said to me, Oh, you're the abort miscarriage. Like, you know, and that she didn't mean it. And it's like, they see so many people a day, but golly, like you're not a number. It was such a bad slip. It was like, I'll never forget it. It was such a doozy. Like, you know, no, I'm not having an abortion. And I guess they probably do that there too, you know? Um, So for that one, you had to have a DNC. Actually, they told me to go home, take 
you know, an Advil or whatever and wait for the storm. And I was lucky enough that it did happen. Oh, okay. Um, they, they give you like, I don't know, maybe 24 hours to see if it comes out naturally or whatever, but yeah, it was like, okay. So I had been through it. So I kind of knew how to brace for it, but when it happens, you're just like, oh my God, this is really happening. You know, it's kind of like bracing yourself for the trauma. Yeah. Ugh. It was really crazy. And then you're like, I had, like you said, you know, I had other children and you know, you don't want know exactly when it's going to happen. And so you're on like alert to run to the bathroom and, and your kids, like my kids already knew that I was pregnant. So oh, yeah. like having to lay in bed with, I remember my daughter, she like laid in bed with me and kind of like almost cried with me and was like, really felt for me, you know, it was very sweet, but she was definitely old enough to know what was happening. And then here's something crazy. My third son, you know, cause when it, when it passed, I like went to the bathroom. I was like, okay, I'm bleeding. And he heard me say that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I think he had told his friends at school that I was excited. You know, his mommy was having another baby. There was another mom from the class that literally texted me and was like, I was not ready to have the conversation with my kid that you were bleeding. <laughs> yeah. That was me. like an ended friendship right yeah. there. Yeah. I was like, you know what, there's other conversations that you've posted on your Facebook that maybe I'm not ready to have either. But, you know, this was something really hard for me to go through. And, you know, it was a conversation that I had to have with my children. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know that different people have opinions (laughs) about what's age appropriate and Mm -hmm. all of that. But I mean, I think, yeah, that's something that can be explained in a age appropriate way. Yes. Yes. And bleeding is like pretty age appropriate. It's part of life. Totally. It's really, and you know what? I, like, honestly, I've had to take my kids to funerals. Like I didn't have anybody to leave them with. And, mm-hmm. you know, my grandfather died and we found out like where we had to literally drive overnight from Chicago to New Jersey. And I didn't necessarily want to bring them, but it happened. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You have to explain that too. It's super uncomfortable. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit, if you don't mind, um, to talk about um, your pregnancies. So the first pregnancy, um, can you share about just kind of how it went, how you felt, um, what your plan for birth was, if you felt pretty well supported by people around you, doctors, um, yeah, that kind of, anything you wanna share about your first pregnancy. Yeah. So my first pregnancy, I was in California and, um, my husband thought it would be a good idea for me to try a doula and a midwife. I tried like the super granola route. I never thought I would do that. Actually. Um, I have a sister that like the moment she walks in the hospital, anesthesia high right through the door. And then I have another sister actually that has done the natural childbirth now thing, I think with four out of her five too, but was my husband's suggestion. And he just thought it would be healthier for me, healthier for the baby. And, you know, I was young and in shape and yeah, I worked out through my whole first pregnancy. I did gain about 30 pounds, which I've, you know, always kind of struggled with my weight. So I felt self-conscious about that, but worked out throughout the first pregnancy and, um, the delivery, it was very long. I started having contractions on Friday night dinner, 
we were at someone's house. I went to the bathroom, the mucus plug came out. I didn't even know it was called a mucus plug, mm-hmm. but my contraction started happening walking back from our friend's house. And my husband was like walking back with a friend and I was definitely way behind them. And I'm like, wait up. I think something's happening. And I was crawling around our apartment, like on hands and knees and doing yoga ball and doing breathing for as long as humanly possible. I was practically howling at the moon. And, um, then I called my midwife and doula and, um, we went to the hospital and yeah, I was, I didn't deliver until like Sunday at 3 PM. So that was a very long time, but you know, my birth plan was completely written by her. It was totally hands off. And I was just like, all right, let me see how I can, how long I can go with this. You know, she was kind of like a midwife to the stars and she was, what was her name? I forgot her name. I got to look it up, but she was like very take charge. And, you know, she actually had like a typed out plan and she was like, you know, only intervention if needed and otherwise no catheter, no medication. I've got this, you know, I'll let you know when you need to catch the baby. She knew all the rules, you know, and she was like me and the doula, we've got this. The doctor, literally, you can just come in and catch the baby and we're good. Like, I think she, yeah, she had done like home births, but this doula chick who she brought was out of this world. I mean, she knew like pressure points. She followed me to the bathroom. She was suggesting different positions. Like I felt in good hands. I was like, they're telling me I can do it. I think I can do it. And that ring of fire experience that they talk about. Oh my God, that is crazy. But really with the support of people that had been through it and that were doing the pressure points on my back and I wasn't even in a tub. The second time I did a tub, that was even better. But with all of the positions that they were showing me and the support that they were giving me and the cheerleading that they were doing, I was like, I can do this. And when I did do it, there was nothing more empowering than that. I was like, I am superwoman. I am badass. I can, I can take on the world, you know? And like I was telling you before we started recording, I was able to get up very shortly after and go to the bathroom. I needed not one stitch. Um, Yeah, I feel like that is a very healthy way to have a baby. Like if you can do it, I definitely encourage it now that I've had a C-section night and day experience. Yeah. I mean, I think it really, um, two things to highlight from what you just said is that it's really important who you're surrounded by that you feel really supported that they're not like using any scare tactics to try to scare you into interventions, which I think is really common in more Western medical, medically minded. Um, Not, I mean, anybody should obviously do what feels right to them and feels most comfortable. Um, But I am one of those crunchy granola people that had a home birth and Um, I think it's really cool that your husband was the one that, um, suggested the midwife and the doula because a lot of times, um, for people that are in a heterosexual partnership, the, the man will sometimes be a little more apprehensive about that and needs like a little convincing, but that's cool. He was just on board. Oh my God. And my husband too, like literally when the colostrum started coming in, he's, he was the one with like the syringe, making sure not a drop of it hit the floor. He was like, the baby needs every bit of that. 
every bit of that gold. Like he was all about being super healthy. He was going to the cafeteria and grabbing those protein drinks and fruit. And I'm like, my God, I'm eating for an army here. Like, yeah, he was cool. definitely the kind of caretaker. Super dad. Yeah. So um, you just kind of mentioned uh, colostrum. So was breastfeeding something that that you did through? I'm still nursing right now and I have okay. a two-year-old. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I have, okay. I have nursed almost all of my kids till two. The only reason I didn't nurse my um, second one longer is because I was pregnant with the third one and it was causing contractions. So I had to stop nursing her because <laughs> I was like nine months pregnant with the other one. Oh, wow. Okay. So I nursed pregnant. Yeah. That's so amazing. And then when the third one came, like, he was so chill. Thank goodness. They're like the best of friends. Actually, the two of them are at camp together right now. They're like 19 months apart because he was two weeks late. He was my only late one. But when he came out, she like wanted to nurse again. And you know, what's so funny too. Now that I just had this fourth one, my third one, who's like eight, like was fascinated by the breast milk. Like this time around, he was like, can I try it? Can you like squeeze some of that into a cup? Like he was like, that is so cool. You know, they both, I think even my daughter, like my 10 year old, they were just like, can we try that? Is it good? Like he makes it look like it's really good. Like, yeah. Well, my sister has a, um, a six-year-old and she just had a baby last year in, in 2019. And after she, so my, the older one, the six-year-old had kind of finished nursing, like not that long before. And, but she was like over it, like had finished on her own. And then started to become interested in it again after the baby was born. So there's something like fascinating about like, oh, what's my sibling? What's so good about that? You know? Oh my God. It's crazy now. Like I have a 13 year old and a two year old and you know, he comes in, I'm like, okay, like, yeah, <laughs> I'm nursing, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, with the first birth, so you didn't have many physical issues. How was the first postpartum for you? Did you feel like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Or were you kind of like prepared for motherhood? No, you can <laughs> never be prepared for motherhood. Okay. Look, I worked on nanny 911 for three seasons and I watched hundreds of hours of footage of the nannies taking care of people's kids. I learned nothing. Okay when I had my first one, I literally could not potty train this kid until he was four. I reached out to those nannies. I was like, what do you do? I was so frustrated, but you know, it's crazy. My third one literally trained with the second one. He was trained by two. It's mm. just kid, man. They are all totally different. And my fourth one, um, I had a C-section and he was seven weeks early and he was three pounds. Um, totally different experience. And it's funny because I was like, Oh, I want to do everything different. Like I didn't find out what I was having with the first three. Um, I did three natural births. I like worked out through them, but you know, I was done with the three of them by 32. So I had three kids in four years from 28 to 32. And then I took a nice long break and had my next one at 39. So seven so you years. Had, you have a 13 year old, a 11 
or maybe I have yes. a 13, 10, and almost nine. Okay. And then two. Okay. Sorry, I just told my little one I'm recording the 13 oh, year old. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. Um, uh, yeah, so postpartum, anything specifically to report about that time that you would want to, any sort of like, I don't want to say advice, but any like pearls of wisdom from yeah, that the, first Yeah, the first one was completely overwhelming. Like I went from, you know, working in Hollywood and like having my own space and doing my own thing for years to getting married and getting pregnant within like six months. So when that baby came, it was like, I'm not living in the city where I was like having a career. My husband just, you know, got his master's and decided not to get the PhD and is like starting a new job. I knew no one. And now I've got this baby with me all the time. And yes, we had a nice apartment in Palo Alto and it was a beautiful area, but like, I didn't know the area. I had a newborn. I knew nothing about taking care of a newborn. It was so stressful. Like I didn't, and I felt completely like overtaken by it. Like I didn't get a babysitter, my first babysitter till he was like 17, 18 months. And we had moved to another state to be closer to my parents. Actually, we moved back from California to Kentucky for a little bit. So, and why did you not get a babysitter? Were you having trouble leaving babe or... Um, some of that and, you know, like I tried to go to the gym to like, cause there's like babysitting at the gym or whatever. And they'd be like, your child is like inconsolable. Mm. And I'm, yeah, like they don't let your baby cry. If the baby cries or whatever, they come and get you immediately. So I tried that a bunch of times and he was just a mama's boy. And yeah, yeah um, I really tried. It was hard. Um, but then when I had my first miscarriage, I signed him up for preschool mm. and yeah, I was forced to do the drop off and it was actually, I think, good for both of us. Yeah. In what way? Because he needed friends and structure in his day and, um, you know, being in an apartment with your mom all day and yeah, I just, I, I feel like socialization is good kids actually and what about for you like did you feel kind of like oh I can be myself again or yeah like I made friends with some other mommies and Mm -hmm. got more involved in my synagogue and got back into walking and Mm -hmm. I even took a job you know a part-time job and um yeah it definitely like I was like oh man but then you know I ended up getting pregnant again so um But with the second one, it was so much easier. First of all, it was a girl and like, she was much more chill. She was like, um, able to go to a babysitter quicker. And I felt, I felt like I knew what I was doing more. Mm -hmm. And the third one, oh my God. Yeah. You're just like, get in the car and go, you know, (laughs) much less choices. And he, again, like the two of them were just much more chill in personality. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, what sticks out about their birth? The second birth, I did try a bathtub and my doula actually had like burnt her arm on a curling iron, like literally the night before I went into labor. And I'm in this tub, which definitely takes the pressure off, like contraction wise. It helps so much. 
Actually, my sister ended up trying this after me, but she couldn't put her arms into the water to like massage my lower back, which I always really need. I love that. That helps so much with contractions. She's like, my arms, I'm like, put them in there. (laughs) I'm like, I need your arms. I'm like, somebody put their arms on my back, you know? Oh my God. So that was a little bit more stressful because the contractions are so hard, like to get through and they wouldn't let me push the baby out underwater. So like you can get to nine centimeters and then you got to climb out of bed and boy, is that transition hard. You're like in full on labor and they want you to get out of this tub, which takes so much pressure off and then go push the baby out in the bed. I did it, but it was crazy. Wow. I, I, uh, my daughter was born in the tub. <laughs> That's so interesting. They I don't know if let me. Some, what year was that? Um, 2011. Maybe it's changed since then. And I think it varies state to state too. So what else oh. is crazy mm-hmm. is like midwives and doulas and tubs and all of that was like not allowed in Kentucky, but we lived very close to Indiana. So oh. we drove across the river, like in full on labor. And I delivered her like in small town, Indiana, like right across from Louisville. Wow. That's so wild. Is that still true now? I don't know, but I remember being on a snowy bridge from like Kentucky to Indiana, like sitting backwards, rocking back and forth, like breathing through contractions. I got to the hospital. I was like seven centimeters already. Wow. And like the second time around, like I told you my first labor, like I delivered, I started contractions on Sunday. I, I mean, Friday and I delivered Sunday from start to finish with my second five hours. And also with my third. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. It's, it's interesting once the body's kind of like primed, seems to kind of be a little more efficient. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. And so it sounds to me like the, your experience of, um, adding in more children has been a little smoother than like the, it was more jarring to go from not being a mom to now I'm a mom with one. And then once you kind of get, got into the routine of that, it seemed to flow a little bit more easily for you. For me, that was totally the case. Yeah. It's funny because I've seen friends that like, oh my God, their first one, they're like amazing. I'm like, how in the world did you prepare for that? You know, this just took me by storm, but I will say having another one at 39 was like the whirlwind thing again. (laughs) So tell me about that. Um, (laughs) birth yeah because seven weeks it sounds like probably seven weeks early it sounds like maybe something happened no okay this is like totally a complete miracle I mean all children are miracles but like I had just produced like a 350 person event in LA it was like a big event and mind you I had had a miscarriage like six months prior but like they didn't say I was high risk so you know I had gone to all my doctor's appointments the baby was like growing on course and everything was fine. Everything was healthy. Um, there was a tear in the beginning, like a little bleed, but it healed. What, that, in your uterus or? I don't know exactly. They did say that there was like some sort of bleed, really? which actually scared me because I was like, oh no, is it a miscarriage? But it was like some sort of little tear, a little bit of blood, totally healed, totally went away. And I even asked the doctor, I was like, is it cool if I fly out to LA for this? (laughs) And she was like, looks good. Everything's fine. And I went to LA, produced this event, came back. My son had like a play 
at his school. And so I missed an appointment. And then I realized it like the next week. I was like, oh, you know, I had that event that I produced. I went to his play. Shoot, I think I forgot the doctor's appointment. And so literally like the day I remembered, I just called and was like, hey, can I come in for an appointment? I think I missed one. And they got me in. I even had like three other work calls scheduled that day because I had like seven weeks, you know? And, you know, they just did their routine, like checking the heartbeat. And she was like, the heartbeat is going up and down. She was like, I want you to go to the hospital. She's like, something's not right. She was like, and my son, my older son was like home with strep. Like you can't even really bring a 12 year old in with strep, Mm -hmm. but I did. And we didn't stop and get him lunch, anything. So we get there. They're like, we need to monitor you overnight. So it turns out like the placenta was detaching. He wasn't gaining weight. He went from being in like the 38th percentile to the ninth. Um, so like he wasn't growing and yeah, his, they monitored me overnight and like, it was crazy too. Like I knew something was bad when like you get there and they're like, okay, we need you to sign C-section paperwork. I'm like, what? I've never done that. Like, wow. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do that. They were like, you don't have a choice. I was like, I don't. And that really made me emotional too, because I was like, I have had three seven pound babies, like no intervention, no stitches. You know what I mean? Nothing like that. That in itself is crazy. And you just don't know what to expect. You're like, is this going to hurt? But let me tell you something that epidural did not hurt at all. Like I didn't barely feel it. And the C-section like during didn't hurt. Although I will say the doctor asked me if I wanted to have my tubes tied. I totally didn't like that. Like while he's got me open, I was like, that's not very nice. Inappropriate. Yeah. Um, but it didn't hurt at all. Like during, and the doula who was, you know, part of my previous delivery, like came and held my hand and was like by my side. And even though she didn't have to be because she couldn't be a part of it really. So I loved that. And my husband was there. I thank God he made it. He was at work. He hadn't even told his job yet that like I was pregnant or having a baby. So that was a crazy part of the story too. It was like, um, were you my, 32, 33 weeks? I was 32, six, Okay, 32 yeah. weeks and six days. Yeah. Yeah. So he was going to tell his job like a month before. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So he like literally was like, um, my wife's pregnant. She's at the hospital. She's going to labor right now. I'll be right back. <laughs> like, wow. That's so wild. It was totally Did wild. Did they ever determine how that happened or is it just kind of like a fluke thing? They actually did um, look at the placenta and they said it actually wasn't a good one. So that is actually crazy. Yeah. Um, that, you know, there was no problems, no complications, like whatever the APGAR score, perfect. And like, he came out breathing, which was a total miracle. Um, he did have to have like the tube down his nose to be fed. And that was also something that was different for me because um, with the first three, like even though I had trouble like figuring out the football hold and how to do all the breastfeeding, like once I got some coaching, they took to it naturally. And with the second and third one, again, like I was able to do it. No problem. The first one, it was a little frustrating. You're like, what do I do? How do I hold it? What? (laughs) But, um, with the fourth one, I had to pump for six months and try to get him with 
the nipple attachment thing to even like be able to latch because eventually you want to transition them to only doing that or I did want to anyway yeah um yeah that I mean so he had to be in the NICU I'm assuming for how long was he there until he would have been 40 weeks or how did it yeah about that I bet that was hard because you had to leave the hospital and go home without your baby Oh my God. Yeah. Like I honestly had to leave my kids a couple times, like the oldest to babysit them. Like mm-hmm. it was so unexpected. And, you know, we tried to go once or twice every day, but even once a day was like a lot, you know, um, what else is crazy is it fell like during Passover. So there was a couple days where like, we do like big meals and, you know, he couldn't be a part of that or be with us. And like my husband literally, like we don't drive on the Sabbath or we don't drive on some of the high holidays. So like my husband walked five miles to and from the hospital to go see the baby. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Yeah. So, and then um, tell me also about yourself and your own recovery. We were talking a little bit beforehand about, um, you know, recovery from a C-section and how a C-section is pretty major surgery. They're cutting through a lot of layers there. So it's not just like a nothing surgery, which I feel like a lot of people view it that way is just like, oh, like people have C-sections all the time, you know, nothing to worry about. Um, But maybe you can talk about like that recovery and how it was different from, you know, other with your other pregnancies and births and how recovery went. And then also you know, having three kids and trying to recover, um, what that experience. It was a very large scar, mm-hmm. you know, like very across your stomach, you know, and even if it's a thin line, like they tape it up and like, it hurts to cough. It hurts to laugh. It took two nurses to get me out of bed the next day to be able to go to the bathroom. Oh my God. And taking out the catheter that doesn't feel good. Um, it was, oh my goodness, painful. I mean, intense pain. Like you feel like, oh my, you know, I I don't know if everybody has this experience, but like I did CrossFit and HIIT training for, you know, four or five years with my husband prior to this C-section. And I feel like it took a year for it to be fully no pain and back to where I can, you know, do planks or lift my feet off the ground while laying on my back. Like just, I was doing those knee up things where, you know, you're, you put your back against the machine and you have your arms to the side and you just put your knees up today. Like it's, it's already two years later. And I'm like, wow, I remember after the C-section, there's no way I could have done that. Um, what about your periods coming back? did they come back more painful at all? No, thank goodness. And I think too, just age wise, like they have gotten lighter. I'm like, you know, I'm 41 now. Um, yeah, like day five, I'm totally done. Like no trace of it. So that's nice. You still have the pain for like the first couple of days or not as much? Yeah. I don't even really have so much pain anymore, which is great. I mean, I definitely am hormonal. (laughs)
Sorry if there's any background noise, but my cat is going crazy with a cap to something. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, I, that sounds like a big challenge to, you know, go through that recovery with um, having three little ones at home too. But I showed them too. Like I showed them the scar and they were really helpful in trying to help me lift things you know, I kind of played it up a little bit so I could get them to help more. Yeah. Yeah. You got to help me. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I really can't imagine for people that have kids really close in age. And if they had like, my daughter is almost 16 months. And if she, if I had had a C-section right now and she doesn't understand, I can't explain to her, like, I can't pick you up whenever you want me to, you know, and there's a lot of women that do they you know they have these little toddlers at home that want them to pick them up and yeah I just I just it's yeah I mean I just kind of wish there was more support or something or I actually have a friend that literally just had two c-sections within 16 months really what's she doing she I don't know how she's doing that and she's also like lost like 50 pounds I mean she is just diligent I'm like maybe too, because she's younger than me, but I will say there is a big difference in having a baby at 28 versus 39. I definitely felt a difference even at 32 versus 28, but 39, like I'm freaking tired. And you know what? Look, like I just was able to sleep train this new one. It took me till he was two to get him in a crib. And we're still like having a few nights where he doesn't want to get in there. He still wants to snuggle me. Like my routine is, you know, I take him upstairs, I change his diaper, he nurses a little bit, you know, snuggles, I might sing him a couple songs, and then I put him in there. But there are nights where he's like, no, mommy bed, no, mommy bed, you know, and I'm like, you know, put your head on the pillow, and I'm gonna tuck you. And if you don't, I'm going downstairs to read a book. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe now you could talk about um, just motherhood in general um, and how it has sort of changed your perspective on life or your vision for how you want your life to be or the person that you want to be um, as a role model for your kids, anything that you want to talk about around motherhood and how it's sort of shifted your life. That's so sweet. Um, wow. My dad is super into legacy. Like he a hundred percent believes that's why we're here. I don't know if I got that. It's funny as a child, like I even yelled at my parents, like, I'm not going to have kids, but I met the right person. And I will say he is such an amazing father. And, you know, even like I told you with, you know, the getting me the protein drinks and the recommending the doula and seeing my husband with these children, it's enhanced my life you know, it's enhanced our marriage. I believe that even though I don't have structure, (laughs) I am not one of those structured, like by the book parents. I'm a creative, you know, I'm not that way even in my work, but yeah, I, I am proud of some of the things that my kids are doing now. And, and I'm not even pushing them to do these things, but I'm seeing their natural talents and, and part of me kind of shine through, which is really interesting. Yeah. Like my leading do- by example. 
that is totally my parenting style. So like, I'm a creative, I have like a podcast with my dad, my daughter. Um, so over the pandemic, you know, at the beginning, I went from working full time to then having four children home with me. And so I had to scale back on working full time. And then I just decided to like create this podcast and take a couple clients and not work full time anymore. But during that, um, I had met this woman through a coaching program that I was a coach for, and she wanted to start kind of like her own entrepreneurial business of tutoring children with reading and writing because she was bullied as a child and she found solace in reading and, and writing. And so I was like, you know, since my kids are at home, I'm like, that would be something that I, you know, I feel like they need to keep up with. So I hired a reading and writing tutor and my daughter really took to it where she got super creative and she started writing all these stories about animals. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to help her like publish her first book. Like this will be a story that she can tell. It'll have something physical that, you know, she can talk about and be proud of. Yeah. So we just did that. Um, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And it was like, I, you know, use some of my resources too. So the person who did like the art for my podcast did the cover of her book. And then I was able to support like this early entrepreneur who wanted to start her reading and writing and tutoring a business. And then by me talking about how much I loved the tutor and how much my daughter took to her and gave that person like three or four more clients. Um, so I felt like I was like supporting a couple of my friends, supporting my daughter, supporting creativity. That was really cool. And then my son too, he's not gonna want me to talk about this, but like he has a YouTube channel. He's taught himself how to do intros and outros and editing and creating thumbnails, like all on his own. Like that I feel like is a part of me, even though he he wouldn't want me to say it's a part of me, but. Is he the 13 year old? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) of course not. Not right now. Don't die, Robbie. He's a teenager. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's totally right because what you see around you is what you kind of see as, oh, that's a possibility. People do that. My mom does that, you know? That's really cool. You're definitely leading by example. Yeah, I love that. And then too, so my husband is like super outdoorsy and like he lived on a mountain in New Mexico for a year and a half and my son just had his bar mitzvah. And so my husband was like, okay, well, since he's like becoming a man and like coming of age, he was like, I want to drive with him to Colorado, just the two of us and like sleep on a mountain together. I was like, okay, that's crazy. But yeah. Um, so they just did that. Um, and that was really beautiful. It's funny. Cause they didn't make it to like the 10,000 feet, actually like 8,000 feet, there was snow and they didn't pack appropriately. They thought like their regular sleeping bags, not the below 20 degree ones or whatever you need would be good enough. So they were freezing, but they were proud of themselves. I mean, they hiked like four miles up and they had like a bonding experience and yeah, I was like, that's totally like supporting my husband's interests. It's just interesting that like kids take a piece of you. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I haven't been able to witness that myself yet with my daughter, but I look forward to that. So at this point, um, if there's anything that you want to share about offerings that you have right now or where people can find you, I'm going to link to your website and your podcasts in the show notes. But if you anything you want to shout out right now um, that you want to share with people. Just check out Better Call Daddy. It's a show where... I interview a wide range of guests 
and my dad adds his wit and sarcasm at the end of every episode. And so it's very family friendly, I think, even though we do cover controversial subject matters, um, I feel like I'm getting to know myself and my dad better through the conversations that we're having. Yeah. And I've been, um, I was just telling you before that I've been listening to it, um, pretty much nonstop for the past few days <laughs> and it's really, really intriguing. I'm a total podcast junkie, which I think most people that have a podcast are. Um, and I love things that are just about random stuff that everybody thinks about, but hardly anybody talks about. And I, I feel like that's a lot of, of what it is. So yeah, I'll link to that in the show notes and um, go check it out. So thank you so much for being here today. It's been such a treat to talk with you. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. Okay, so I'll give you a little bonus story here. I thought of another little antidote. With my third child, he was coming up on two weeks past when I was supposed to deliver. And so, you know, I was doing my squats, I was trying to eat spicy food, all of these crazy old wives tales that they tell you to do. And somebody told me that I should check out acupuncture. And so I went to this like hippy dippy acupuncture place where you drink like this thick tea and you know, <laughs> I drank the tea, I did the acupuncture and I went into labor the next day. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, so it did relax me. I mean, I was overdue, so it could have been timing, but I, I think that it was a combination of that I needed to relax and slow down. I'm constantly in go mode and that really forced me to do it. I, I love acupuncture. I, I would definitely do it again. And I think that anybody that is experiencing pain or is stressed out or is ready for the baby to come, like it can only help. Yeah. Um, so there is a sort of like labor induction that I was going to say protocol, but it's not really a protocol because it is very individualized depending on the person. Um, but usually it starts at like 36 weeks and usually people call me when they're past due. I, be, I think that there just isn't enough awareness about that, that it it's something that we're doing sort of in preparation to sort of like get your body ready for go time and then help to facilitate um ideally a more uh, a shorter and more efficient labor once the time comes to um but yeah it's it, after at 36 weeks you start going weekly and then if you went beyond your due date then you would go twice a week um so yeah, but that's awesome. That one and done worked for you. And that I have heard that before, but that's not always how it goes. But at the end of my pregnancy, I was almost 42 weeks also. Um, and I was going for acupuncture um, a couple of times a week. And I was also doing it to myself too, um, because I'm an acupuncturist. So I don't advise for other people to do that. But there are some other things that you can do, which eventually I'm going to do an episode about a labor preparation with all sorts of little tricks some of which you you mentioned that yeah. crazy tea I make jokes I'm like the baby did not want to drink any more of that he was like <laughs> I'm coming out <laughs> that's funny yeah and with Chinese herbs I don't usually prescribe them because I that's really person dependent too and so if it's 
somebody coming to see me for the first time and they're just like, just put me into labor and I don't have very much background. I'm just not at the point where I feel comfortable um, prescribing Chinese herbs. But I do, my, uh, my mentor talks sometimes about uh, Chinese herbal formulas and how it's this like really random formula if it's the right thing for that person can facilitate labor but it, it just has to be the right formula for them um so yeah i guess that whoever gave it to you picked the right one so that's really cool thank you it for was, sharing about that yeah it was totally the right formula <laughs> yeah thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you'll be notified of future episodes. And if you feel so called, please give us a rating and a review so other people can find the podcast more easily. Thanks again. Till next time.